Welcome to The Playlist Podcast, a weekly discussion of films and TV. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, Managing Editor of The Playlist, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Mike D'Angelo and Brian Farver. Are you guys ready to test the age-old theory that the third time is, in fact, a charm? <laughs> yeah! Yeah! <laughs> yeah! You always throw me off with, with your questions that you never tell us about, and I'm like, no. oh, nice. Yeah, no, you guys <laughs> just sit there dumbfounded. That's what I'm going for. You asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if you haven't guessed, for this episode of the podcast, we're inspired by the news that MGM is officially named Michael B. Jordan, the director of Creed 3, and announced that the film is actually going to hit theaters in November 2022. So you can skip Thanksgiving and just go watch Michael B. Jordan. That's what, that's what we all really want anyway. So, I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. It, Talk to family. Side note, side note. This news was uh, the, the news that Michael B. Jordan's gonna probably maybe direct the movie was was reported but not confirmed until now and tessa thompson funny enough was asked like you know what do you think about michael b jordan directing creed 3 and she's like well he's gonna have to like turn the sexy down or it's gonna be distracting (laughs) (laughs) did she actually say that oh my god (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. it's creed 3 news this got me thinking about three equals and how many of them are actually good? Because as much as sequels typically get a bad rep for being terrible, some threequels are actually pretty darn good. So the three of us picked some of our favorite third films and franchises, a.k.a. threequels, and we're going to talk about what makes them good and whether or not we have hoped that Michael B. Jordan can perform double duty as director and star of a quality third Creed film. We're also going to uh, end the episode by naming some bad movies, some bad threequels, because those are always fun to poke fun at. And it may surprise you, but not all third films are actually as good as the original and or the sequels. Shocking. I know. It also used to be kind of the rule that they weren't. So we're spoiled these days that a, a sequel is even relatively good. That's true. Very true. But before we talk about franchises and Michael B. Jordan's boxing career, I'm going to tell you that the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Be Real, The Fourth Wall, Deep Focus, and more. And if you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, anywhere else you find your favorite shows. Okay, gentlemen, let's talk about the news that MGM has officially announced the release date for Creed 3 for Thanksgiving 2022 and confirmed those earlier reports that Michael B. Jordan will not only star, but is going to direct the film. And for those wondering, Ryan Coogler is still involved. He's the writer-director of the first film. He's hanging around, but he's only going to be the writer of the outline for the story of the script. And the actual script itself is going to be written by Keenan Coogler and Zach Balin. It's also important to note that not only is Creed III the third film in a highly successful, critically acclaimed Rocky spinoff franchise, but it's also the directorial debut for Michael B. Jordan. So he picked one hell of a film to test out his love of directing. What do you guys think of this news, and how do you rate your excitement about a third Creed? Throw it to Brian. Well, I that that the original Creed is incredible. Uh, Mike and I we saw it together, and yeah, I was um, going to say I thought we did. Yeah, and I just thought it was brilliant. I, I I don't know where it ranks, but it's definitely high on the list of of Rocky films. Creed two had its moments. Overall, though, I honestly thought it was pretty forgettable. So my excitement level for a third Creed, I I can imagine where this might go, but that's probably where my mind is going is probably a pretty like, I don't know, cliche mentality, especially after what we saw in the second film. Uh, Yeah, I'm looking at you, Clubber Lang's son. Um, Yes. So I don't know. I think the to be honest, I think the 
deck or of cards or whatever are stacked pretty high against old Michael B. Jordan. And this is being his directorial debut and trying to follow in the footsteps of Creed 2, which didn't quite stick the landing as much as the first Creed. I don't know. I'm I'll still see the damn thing, but I I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be at the the first showing, maybe the second. I don't know. (laughs) Mike, what do you think? Uh, I'm really excited for it. I thought the first Creed, just like Brian said, was awesome, like freaking amazing, Uh, way better than it had any right to be, way more emotional than it had any right to be. And uh, I think it just clicked at the right place, right time, right people involved. Uh, And the second one, it, it did feel like, you know, kind of that sequel that was trying to figure out the next step and just kind of misstepped a little bit. I love Rocky four. Like if I had to pick oh, my yeah. favorite Rocky movie, oh. that's probably my favorite Rocky movie. It's it's not the best Rocky movie, but it's utterly exactly. watchable. Exactly. I love Dolph Lundgren and he was actually really good in Rocky two or Creed two, but he was. Um, yeah, he was really solid. But yeah, it, the, his son was not great, and you know there was some missteps as far as the story of it all. But it, it, according to Jordan, Michael B. Jordan, he's he said the theme of of Rock of Creed three. I keep saying Rocky of Creed three is is really deeply personal to him. So if he's so connected oh. to it that he needs to make this you know like his thing, then that makes me more excited. I mean, if he's invested this much in it, absolutely. I bet you it's about Creed starring in a Marvel movie and then getting killed off. <laughs> That's really personal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I kind of I guess I'm in the middle with you guys. I I really enjoyed the first Creed. I can't help but be reminded that both of these movies kind of wholesale steal stories from Rocky movies. Like the first Creed yeah. is, you know, sure it's different characters, different motivations, but it's basically Rocky 1, right? And as we've said, the Creed 2 is basically Rocky 4. So Brian alluded to it. The only thing that's going to make me happy about this threequel is when we meet Clubber Lang's kid. <laughs> and I am I am so down for this. I want Mr. T. I want everything. I, I, I want it to go just so over the top that it's ridiculous. Um, that would make me happy. Outside of that, I mean, it's hard to... to shit talk a movie that's got michael b jordan and tessa thompson in it and uh felicia rashad like they've been great in both movies say what you will about the stories but they're they're all quality actors and if ryan coogler's still involved even if it's just you know he pitched the outline or whatever i still have faith that he puts his name on good movies so i i have i have optimism as long as michael b jordan can see it through as both director and star because that's a lot of pressure right that like is, i mean it, this we're talking in a movie that that they're going to be hoping makes hundreds of millions of dollars and all of that is now on you know director and star michael b jordan so mm-hmm. good luck yeah i mean it's it's a pr- high pressure way to start your directorial debut like in a part three of a franchise is kind of a, a weird place to start but we'll see if he if he lands it well i mean uh, well, technically wouldn't this be like maybe like what Nine or, or ten. Nine, yeah. <laughs> I, I forget how many Rockies there are. Like, I give what, this its own five, space. Seven, you know, maybe? Yeah, technically Six? it's in the Rockyverse, but, you yeah. know, I, no, I it's know. its own thing. No, it really is. Am I wrong for thinking that they're going to, to rip off a, another Rocky movie, or is this going to be like a brand new story, you think? 
I, I, I hope they don't, to be honest. Well, yeah, I hope so, too. I was I was being facetious by saying I wanted, okay. like, you know, clever links. I mean, as much as that would be silly, I, I think for the <laughs> for them to hope for a good movie, they really, really should not take inspiration from Rocky three unless they want to bring a robot. Yeah. Or, or bring back the guy from Rocky five, you know, uh, for no oh, reason. Tommy Gunn. Tommy. <laughs> no, it shouldn't be like a Cobra eye where everything and everyone is coming back and being referenced. I think this is the one where he needs to kind of. It needs to be its own thing. We've had two movies that are really highly referential to the old series. I'd love it if it was very uh, loosely connected. Or what if he nope. fights not a Clubber Lang <laughs> son, he fights Clubber Lang himself? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so in universe, how old would Clubber Lang be? Oh, let's He's got to be just, like in his 70s, right? He's got to be in his 70s. Um, I don't know if I want to watch Michael B. Jordan beat a senior citizen. I mean, I, it's funny. Death. <laughs> he, he is okay mr t is 68 so yeah we can safely assume in, in his 70s at that point i don't know uh <laughs> maybe that's a terrible idea but uh, has has michael b jordan done anything behind the scenes related like at all like has he written yeah. anything or what well, has he done he he started a uh a production company the outlier society i believe is what it's called and oh, okay. he's been producing like a ton of stuff so yeah ah. he's he's he has very high ambitions. I think he's been quoted in in interviews basically saying like he wants to be like a mogul. So I get that he wants to like, you know, not just be the leading guy, but he wants to also be the producer, the director, the the brains behind the operation. So he's a brand I, uh, man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, he, it makes sense that he's going to direct like that's not a shock. I just, you know, why not a Your little place indie? to start? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> OK, so. We we still have what a year and a half more till we see this movie, so plenty <laughs> yeah. of time to to shoot. There will the shit be about seven more podcasts 3. about it. <laughs> <laughs> we will do a monthly check in on what the status of Creed Three is. Uh, but no, so again, like I said, this this made me think like you know threequels are are they as bad as people kind of give them credit or discredit for? And I asked you guys to come up with your own threequel that may not be like your favorite ever, but one that you think is really good. So let's start with. Uh, chronological order here like we do with these sometimes and that begins with brian what is your choice for your favorite or one of your favorite threequels no question very easy choice that would be uh, back to the future part three and for those of you that may not be familiar the back to the future films revolve around a time traveling teenager his uh, best friend who is an elderly scientist and um man you make this sound terrible i know so it, john a, mulaney did a great a, bit about this. i know i know yeah. it's a teenager yeah. that just loves hanging out with an old man yeah it's rick and morty but taken seriously very much yeah. but in this third film which follows two other films of traveling both to the past and the future and kind of an alternate version of the present this third film which is the final chapter for now for now for now Marty, the main character, played by Michael J. Fox, is sent back to the Old West of 1885 to retrieve his his old friend, uh, Doc, Christopher Lloyd, who he is told will uh, actually succumb to a gunshot uh, in a in a gunfight. Uh, while there, uh, both have their own sort of journeys. Uh, Doc ends up uh, developing a relationship with a school teacher played by Mary Steenburgen. Uh, Marty 
has to overcome this, I guess we'll say, uh, fear or phobia or just a problem that he has with uh, people calling him chicken, which is something that's explored in the second film as well. It's a little strange, but it, it is it's very odd. Yes. But of all the things that you like get riled up and want to fight people over. Yeah, it's introduced in the second movie. It's not I don't think it's referred to at all in the first. So that's the one kind of black mark I'll give the saga is that's a little it's an odd development. That said, that's really what you're looking at for this third film. This is much more than your typical sci-fi comedy. This is a really uh, a very emotional film at points, because whereas the first movie is more about Marty's both literal and kind of metaphorical journey to the past, this one's more about Doc. And um, getting to explore both of these characters in their own kind of separate films is really very, very satisfying to see. Uh, Christopher Lloyd as Doc, I mean, he he's great in the first two movies. He's excellent in part three. And okay. So yeah. I want to, I want to ask a around. question for you. Yeah. Uh, I have a question. So this is the third film and we're talking, you know, you explained why Creed three, you weren't super psyched about that. Yeah. What about back to the future part three makes you think that there's hope in threequels? Like what does it do that sets it apart? I, it's a very interesting thing that these movies have done. Uh, the first movie was made without any real intention to create a sequel and then they made these second and third movies back to back. So I think it's interesting in that this sequel or this threequel works just because it's it really is the tail end of a long, complete story. There's a lot of threequels out there that are just kind of their own standalone thing and just they're kind of just made to appease fans, maybe, you know, just to kind of keep things going almost for the sake of keeping things going. This one really is the third and final chapter. And when you step back and look at the Back to the Future trilogy as a whole, it it just ends it so well to the point where you you know mentioned before, for now, uh, nope, nope, no need for anything else. There, I, I do not wish to see a, a fourth film, a uh, reboot. No, I, I don't really care for that. It's It's rare that you get a final film that just wraps things up so well that you can just sit back and say, okay, I'm... I'm I'm very satisfied with what we've done here. So that's why I think it works well is because it it completes the story as opposed to just being a cash grab. We're talking about your grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were talking I, I was joking about the for now because everything seems to be remade or reimagined or sequelized. And Bob Gale, I guess, who uh who wrote the movies and you know worked closely with Zemeckis on on these films, I yeah. think he said like they have the rights and he just like is never going to give them oh, yeah. uh, the chance Over to do his it. Dead so. body. Yep, yeah, exactly. You are right. So I, I, as much as I'd hate to, to see it happen, I do think maybe in like 30 years or something, we'll, we'll see another, but. Oh, we'll see one and I'll see yeah. the, the goddamn thing. Of course. I'll be <laughs> with a big smile on my face. I still think Efron, Mr. Efron would be no. a great Marty McLaughlin. No. But no. Uh, Fan no. casting Zach Efron. Yeah. Uh, Marty, Dave Franco, maybe? No. Jeez, <laughs> you just want the cast of Neighbors in your Back to the Future. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> okay. So, Mike, any thoughts on BTTF3? Yeah. Back to the Future 3. I mean, I grew up on that trilogy. I love it. Every, every single one of them. It used to be my least favorite, Part 3, because I wasn't really into Westerns that much. But 
as time has gone on, I've really grown to appreciate it and, and feel that it's at least equal to the other two. It's a really hard trilogy to be like, this is the definitive best one. Obviously, the first one is the first one, but I really love every single installment and they have their own kind of unique flair. So, uh, the, yeah, there's no weak link in the Back to the Future trilogy. I love love that, you know, Doc Brown really kind of gets his own movie to shine. So he's right. Yeah. Great movie. I would say that uh, the second one, I know that a lot of people would probably rank that as like the the weakest of the three. That's the one I grew up with more. Yeah, I love and, oh. and I just love the whole like alternate future stuff when I was a kid, man. Yeah. Hoverboard. Like who didn't want a hoverboard, right? Yeah. So so in nostalgic wise and sentimentality wise, I would I would rank the third one as my least favorite. But again, it's like you said, I mean, this is a, a near perfect trilogy to continue what Brian was saying. The reason why I think it works as a third one is it has an intention. It isn't a treading water movie, which once you, okay. So if we can just think of three equals in a macro sense, right? The first movie is mm-hmm. original and great and makes a lot of money. And that's why they make sequels. And then yeah. the sequel, a lot of times they're just trying to capture the the energy and the feeling of the first one and, and not really try to do too much. Then it, then all the pressure comes to that third movie, right? Like, what do you do? Do you keep you know, trying to replicate the formula or do you, you know, try something new? Do you have the balls to actually end the story? And I think <laughs> Back to the Future actually was like, yep, yeah, we're done. We're done. This is our story. We're going to go to a new time. We're going to see new things. We're going to focus, like you guys said, on Doc Brown and, and we're going to we're going to, you know, close the book on this, which well, not only that, but they they had that ready to go like they were shooting two and three back to back back. And right. Back. Yeah. Like that part two ended with a trailer for three. I remember being like blown Dude, away. Dude, Didn't you? Yeah. Wasn't that a great moment when we saw that trailer? Oh, yeah, man. I that was the ori- that. origination of the Marvel like after. Credits yes. Scene, yes. So yeah, what a what a great trilogy. Mm-hmm. No arguments here. No, no discussion. Uh, I know. The, this is way better than your vacation pick from a few podcasts back. Oh, so much better. <laughs> so we really can't beat you up over it. So congratulations. Oh, oh thanks. <laughs> so <laughs> next, next in this discussion of three cools, I'm going to take my turn, which I chose uh, 1995's Die Hard with a Vengeance. Those are claps. Yeah. Yeah, same here. <laughs> this is a movie that I would say uh, is the last good Die Hard movie. Not much of a hot yes. take. And arguably the only one outside of the first one that I would say is worth watching. So for those that didn't, that aren't obsessed with Die Hard like I am, Die Hard of the Vengeance was released in 1995, like I said, and it sees the return of John McClane, played by Bruce Willis, where he has to help save the city from a terrorist that's threatening to blow up buildings, kill lots of people, and all around this crazy version of Simon Says. And yes, his name's Simon. From there, secrets are revealed that tie it to the original and there's still a couple twists and turns along the way. But for me, the best part of this movie is the addition of Samuel L. Jackson as Zeus, who I think is phenomenal. It's probably, again, I was way too young to watch this. I was, what, 13, I guess. The, I shouldn't watch this movie, but boy, oh boy, did I love foul mouth Sam Jackson as a young teen. And I still do as a grown man that's way too old to enjoy F-bombs. You're but, never too old to enjoy it. <laughs> but they, they, they still make me giddy. I can't yeah. I can't deny. But yeah, so the movie is an interesting story. That's what makes it a good threequel. But for, for me specifically, the reasons why I think this succeeds is like I was saying about threequels in general, it doesn't try to mimic the gimmick. Oh boy, I rhymed. Mimic the gimmick. Ooh. Mimic the gimmick. So the second Die Hard, not great. But it tried to do that whole like, 
you know, the whole Bruce Willis is stuck in a dot, dot, dot formula. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And just put it in an airport. Yeah. And then the third (laughs) one was like, okay, we're not going to stick him in a building. We're not going to stick him in an airport. We're not going to, you know, say he's like one man against an army. It's, you know, John McClane running around New York City playing a silly game. Well, not silly, a deadly game of Simon Says with this uh, guy named Zeus who really doesn't want to be there with him, but is just stuck there. And so these guys are just yelling at each other. They are having no fun. And it's super clever because the villain, who's played by uh, Jeremy Irons, is related to the the first film in a way that I think is super clever and super fun. But not just that, it also has a twist in it, too. So just when you think you know that it's zigging, it's actually going to zag on you. So I, I really have respect for a movie that says, like, okay, the second one was a bit of a letdown. This third one, we're not going to go back to what worked in the first. We're going to, you know, take cues from what worked in the first, and we're going to go in a new direction with this third one. And, again, comes down to Samuel L. Jackson, who is playing the buddy to – John McClane, which again in the first movie, who doesn't like that relationship between John McClane and the cop that's like, you know, sitting in his car for the whole movie. It's incredible. Enough rambling. I'm gonna throw it to Mike. What do you think of Die Hard with a Vengeance? I'm absolutely over the moon for it. I, I love everything about it. Sam Jackson, Simon says, although like, you know, sending them all around the city to to figure out these puzzles together, like a Literal be, puzzles, by the way. Literal puzzles. Yeah. <laughs> like um, math problems and shit. Like, it's great. Yep. And, yeah, the Sam Jackson of it all is, is just, like, the perfect, you know, chef's kiss addition to uh, to the to the, the Die Hard uh, series, which I, I know you said it's the only other one that's worth watching. If you watch the unrated version of Live Free, it's actually pretty decent. I'm, I'm just going to say it. I see I tune out people that say like, well, if you watch the director's cut of the fourth version that was released 20. No, the movie I watched when I first saw which one are you talking about now? (laughs) Which die hard. Gross. Yeah. Like, no, sorry. Okay. All right. Be that way. I'm going to shit all over that choice. No, I, I, yeah. (laughs) Die hard. The vengeance to me, that's where die hard ended. I I totally get that. And there, it's a great movie. I, I will not fault you there. There are some and, – and to be clear, if you're if you're like, oh, man, they're really hyping up Die Hard the Vengeance and you go watch it now, remember this movie was made in 1995 and it does have a few uh, moments, let's say, that don't age very well. So there are some problematic – there's one scene in particular that's very problematic where John McClane uh, maybe wears a sign he shouldn't. But other than yeah. that, it yeah, still holds yeah. up pretty well. Um, well, that was written even knowing that it was problematic. Well, like, yeah. That was intentionally well, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it fits with the story, but still, like, you watch it now and you're like, oh, boy. Yeah. They really went for it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Brian, what do you think of Die Hard of the Vengeance? It's great. It's, it is it is a great movie. Yeah, definitely the most rewatchable, I would say. I mean, that first, the first Die Hard's awesome, but this one just has such a unique, fun energy just coming from more, more than anything, the chemistry between those two. I'm thinking back to some of my favorite scenes. I love the scene of them trying to figure out the uh, the water jug yes, puzzle. The um, that yeah. one's cool. There's an, another moment. It's it's two, but they're in the same scene of McLean in the tunnel, and he sees the water coming towards him. That's really exciting. And it it ends with McLean getting blasted out of that tunnel as sam jackson is just staring at him and then the next shot is of 
McLean's body flying up into the air as he's screaming. It's <laughs> I can just picture that in my head. It's so funny. But that's that, that's just the what we're dealing with here. I mean, I I love the first movie. Second movie is is good, but the third one is just You're really generous. really exciting. I I I I realize that. I, I yeah, love the third one. Love the version, the uh, computer game version that they made as part of the Die Hard trilogy PC game. Um, <laughs> Wait, what? Great. Yeah, of you're, course he had that. You're, you're driving a car around, driving into bombs. It's really, it's very, very brainless. It's fun, very fun. It's. Am I going to say it's a perfect action movie? It's pretty darn close. It's, it's got that mid '90s action energy that so many other movies had, and I think that one pulled off better than most. And for added fun, after you watch the movie just as it is in its rated R glory, wait for it to come on like FX or something midday. Oh God. <laughs> and just watch them try to censor Samuel L. Jackson in that movie. Yeah. It is hilarious. <laughs> it's it's something. You're right. <laughs> That's the version I grew up on is them just trying to figure that movie out as a PG version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thankfully now they'll they'll let more things go, but there are some some quality bad dubbing going on that uh the lips don't match the the words, that's for sure. Do you guys remember how they dubbed Yippie Kaye? Mr. Falcus? Yes. Yes, you knew it. <laughs> That's great. Oh, I my grew God. up with it. Yeah. So, so baffling. What are they? Okay. Anyways. I, I imagine that was probably the best job ever. I don't know who that person is that gets to decide what the, the alternate takes are, but they must just have like a bunch of hilarious alternate takes where it's, you know, the most yeah. random words that kind of have the same syllables and mouth movements. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on to Mike. Share with the class what you chose for your best three or your favorite three. I mean, of course I'm going to choose Spider-Man three. It only <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, uh, no, we'll, we'll probably talk about that later, but that is definitely <laughs> not what I'm going to pick. Mine. I, I was thinking like, what's something that I can pick. That's not just going to be, you know, I love Indiana Jones and like the last crusade and I love all these. That was my number two. Right. I, 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 I would argue just quickly that last crusade is probably my favorite of the Indiana Jones. Absolutely. Movies. Yeah. Same, same yep. here. But yeah, I mean, I think that was kind of a safe choice. I was trying to think of something that, that people aren't necessarily pointing to right now. And, and that's why I chose uh, war for the planet of the apes, which oh, I don't gosh. know how, this new apes trilogy exists, <laughs> but it just kept making money like low key and people aren't never really talked about it. It was never really something that, you know, people were, were clawing for or anything like that, but they kept making steady money. And, and there's a reason for that. I mean, the first Andy one circus. And yes. And it yeah. is Andy circus, but it's also because they put a lot of care into the stories of these movies. The first one, you know, in a trilogy, what's really unusual about this is that there's rise of the planet of the apes. There's dawn of the planet of the apes. And then there's war for the planet of the apes. Rise is probably the weakest one out of the trilogy. And then they keep getting better and better as it goes along. And that's because there's one, there's a huge trajectory for, for this and, you know, it starts before everything that people know about, you know, the original 60s and 70s movies that I, you know, I saw a little bit of growing up. I wasn't too reverent towards them. I definitely saw the Tim Burton remake with my <sighs> and, you know, it is what it is. I'm not going to sing the praises of that one. But as for war, I mean, I'm not going to explain the, the, the plot of all three movies, but basically 
at this point in in the the story the the apes have just been kind of beaten down to a small faction in the the Muir Woods up uh, north of San Francisco and humans have have just kind of it's after like this post-apocalyptic you know breakdown of society that you know started all the way back at the beginning of the series but at this point you know there there's like uh, militant factions of humans and one of them that they're Andy Serkis and his crew are coming in contact with is led by Woody Harrelson and they pretty much just call him the colonel and you know they it's just a a gritty I hate using that word but it's a really gritty emotional harrowing war movie and I know war is in the title but man is this a like fucking great like in the trenches guerrilla <laughs> pun intended warfare <laughs> but Man, it, it's so emotional. Like I rewatched it today just to kind of have it fresh in fresh in my mind, and I forgot how like absolutely devastating the the movie was as far as the the emotional through point for it. And obviously Andy Serkis, who deserves an Oscar for these movies, uh, does a lot of the heavy lifting. But it's just really well put together. Matt Reeves directed that, uh, who is going into obviously famously the, the Batman with Robert Pattinson. And there's a reason they're handing this series off to him. And, and that's, I think because of what he did with the second two apes movies here there, oh, without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. Obviously Cloverfield was what it was, but it wasn't anything close to what these became. And it's, it's like, Kind of what Lord and Miller do for comedies. Matt Reeves took like a not great idea. Like let's do all these prequels to the Planet of the Apes movies and not show anybody what they really want to see. But it ends up being like this amazing journey about uh, the the ape that started it all. You hit the nail on the head right there. I think Andy Serkis is great. And the technology that went into making the apes is incredible. But yes. Matt Reeves – like you said, the first one did decently and had like James Franco and it was going to like kickstart this trilogy of, of series of movies. And then it just it didn't like light up the box office, but it did enough that Fox was like, OK, let's let's, you know, try a sequel. Let's hire that Cloverfield guy. Let's see what he can do with it. So he's inheriting kind of a an already busted franchise and yeah. was told like, yeah. you know, good luck. And what he did is he's like, oh, great. He took the opportunity and just knocked it out of the park. Right. And that yeah. is just like incredible when when a filmmaker can just take a situation where, you know, other people might look at it and be like, oh, no, I'm not touching that with the 10 foot pole and then turn it into like this iconic series. That's I mean, hats yeah. off to Matt Reeves. Yeah. And there's so many great performances in it besides Andy Serkis. Like, uh, I mean, Woody obviously is Woody and he's not this like evil for evil sake sake human that's just trying to kill the gorillas but man you you there's some scenes in there where he's talking about having to you know kill his own son to stop the spread of that virus to other humans oh my god you really feel for him there and steve zahn as bad ape i forgot about him come on yeah such a great little part steve zahn yeah from the oneaters from the onetters hey that's onetters yeah yeah (laughs) But uh, yeah, I I really really love this trilogy. I think it's a uh, one of the better modern trilogies there is, uh, and it doesn't really get a lot of attention. It, it's just one of those quiet little, you know, franchises that could, and it ends perfectly. Like this last movie is probably 
the best they could have done with the the story they were given. So yeah. What's funny is what's funny is you mentioned like you know nobody really talks about it. When they do talk about it is when Fox or now Disney or 20th Century Studios threatens to make another one. People yeah. are like, no, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like they all come out of the woodwork. Yeah. Well, what are they going to do now? Are they going to continue that story or are they going to just, you know, make Planet of the Apes again? Well, uh, that's that's the question. That yeah. yeah. But, but they they are like we were talking about it. They they did hire a director and they are doing, uh, a, I guess, a sequel to this. I don't know. They're they're very cagey about what it's going to be like. But anyway, Brian, what do you think of War? It is really an excellent film. This is a very, very interesting trilogy of films, but there really is just the, the emotional weight is it. It's the sort of film that, again, I just I cannot watch very often because I always want to feel that feeling again every time of just the that, you know, the, the freshness of the emotion. Like there's little scenes in, in here and there. The soundtrack, I think, really benefits the film. Michael Giacchino's work is so good. The final scene has a piece called Paradise Found that I still listen to every once in a while if I want to get in kind of like an emotional space about something. That uh, and the Cloud Atlas sextet? Well, we that's a whole other <laughs> podcast right there. <laughs> but... Uh, I do love me some Cloud Atlas sextet. That, but yeah, this this is a. I mean, I I love scores. This one, I I I think back to that final scene, and I, I don't want to get anything away. But again, this this whole movie is a testament to Andy Serkis, what he did with with Caesar, and oh my gosh, I it, it's a it's really a kind of a triumph in motion capture. Every oh, yeah. one of these films, it gets so much better. To, like I I I can't tell with this one especially how much better it could possibly get. We've seen Andy Circus do more mocap since then, but God, this is this is that technology and Andy Circus firing on all cylinders. So yeah, this is really a, a very wonderful film that yeah, I guess we could see where this this could go, but I don't really care to. It it ends on such a perfect note that yeah, just like the other films you mentioned, guys, like obviously Die Hard has other films after it. By the way, there's a Die Hard 6 pitch that I would love to talk about. It's no, now we're OK. <laughs> um, so <laughs> you mentioned Andy Serkis. And yeah. I remember in around Oscar time in 2018. So after this movie came out, there was like this big push for like, oh, let's, let's yes. give Andy Serkis something. Right. Like. Yeah. Because people were mad at that whole idea, like, is mocap a performance or is it a special effect? Like, oh. can we can we give Andy Serkis an Oscar for being a you know a best supporting actor or best lead or whatever if he's you know not actually in the film? And that's where you know that we can we can talk about awards and and how subjective they are and all that. But like, they it, it's a question, right? Like you have yeah. to give this guy something. <laughs> like the the work yeah. he did in in these three in the the last two movies are are incredible. And yeah, I just you know you can't really is it is it a performance? Is it mocap? Is it a special effect? Right. Acting, whatever yeah. it is, it's amazing. Yeah. It is it harrowing is harrowing and emotional. So it's it's perfect. Yeah, and you know you you watch some of these behind the scenes 
clips of these guys like this is where actually yeah you probably could make an argument for circus getting an award of some sort because i mean he's crawling around he's got the voice going he's he's inhabiting this imaginary character like like he actually is the ape it's it's so cool to watch so well, not only that he's yeah. teaching the other actors too yeah like yeah like, that's true the curve yeah, yeah. Uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, again, whole trilogy. Go check it out. You can even skip the first one. Just watch the final Actually, two. Actually, it's pretty solid. The, the I mean, first yeah. one is decent. Yeah. John Lithgow, man. Yeah. He'll do it. He'll do it's, it. It's fine. But if you want, like, ape action, start with Dawn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dawn is definitely where it starts to really kick in. Yeah. Also – before we move on to terrible three cools, I want to let the listeners know you can actually watch all three of these movies right now on streaming services. If you want Back to the Future 3 is on Amazon, Dire of Vengeance on HBO Max, and War for the Planet of the Apes is on Hulu. So you don't have an excuse not to watch them. So check them out. Boom. Boom. <laughs> now let's talk some bad three cools. And I would like to start yes. if I can. No. Right. I have a list here. I'm not going to go through the list, <laughs> but the one I want to talk about that, that hits me hard personally, and you know, we've talked about this franchise a number of times, RoboCop Three. Ooh, that movie hurt me. Yeah, I was I was really young when it happened, but I knew something wasn't right. It was the first RoboCop that said like, "Oh, let's do PG-13. Let's put a jetpack." I knew something on wasn't right. <laughs> yeah, it just, it did, I, I just I remember watching that movie, being like, "This isn't." This isn't what I liked. And it's not RoboCop, man. It's RoboCop. Uh, I'm I'm a weird person that I, I obviously adore the first movie, but the second movie I really like. So for me, it was like, you know, number one, number two, I grew up watching both of them. And then the third movie, I remember watching it for the first time as a, as a young lad and being completely disappointed. So, yeah, I just wanted to throw that RoboCop 3 out there. Um, yeah. Have you guys even seen the movie? I don't think I ever make no. it to the end. I usually start it like one. So you is see like, the jetpack. Damn, scene. this is so good. And then you're on to two. And you're like, yeah, it's still pretty solid, solid flick. And then yep. you start three and you're like, man, I don't even think I can do this. I yeah. I didn't even know it was a movie. I remember when it came out, like seeing the commercials thinking, oh, this appears to be some made for TV thing like Revenge of the Nerds <laughs> 3. Like I thought or or a, like a, a pilot or something like I well, did not did. know it was an actual film. Well, they did do a mid '90s RoboCop live action they series. They did. Yeah. You're right. You are so right. I, I I don't blame you for for being confused. And and really, when people think RoboCop, they think one, two, and the reboot. Like yeah. three isn't even really in the picture. But yeah, <laughs> I I just wanted to get I just wanted to vent for a couple minutes about RoboCop three. Go ahead, Brian. What uh what's a bad threequel that you'd like well, to call out? I mean, I had a list of four, and I looked at all of them. You know, the the other three had some redemptive qualities. I'm just picking one that is just straight up terrible. And it's in a saga of films that are all just pretty atrocious. That would be a transformers dark of the moon. Um, <laughs> I, I remember actually being kind of excited about this and seeing it at a sneak. And I Whoa, think I you're felt, so industry. Whoa, I, dude. You saw it at a sneak. I did. It was, in, <laughs> it, was it was actually early in the morning and, uh, yeah, they I pulled was, you off out the street and were like, "Hey, kid, let's, well, not kid, you're a grown man by then." But yeah, dude, you know what? Actually, it might have been like at nine or ten in the morning. Now that I'm thinking about it, what a horrible way to start the day with yeah. this unbelievably bad movie. Like the first movie, I I still will watch every once every few years, just just for the Saturday morning kind of appreciation of it. I'm not gonna say anything great about it. 
especially because what followed next was was really a a nightmare to take transformer in. balls oh my god <laughs> do you I guys remember start... that <laughs> i honestly the only one i really remember is the first one and the rest of them are just a jumbled mess of cg they are that i can't even make heads or tails of that's it that that's the assessment right there the, and the third one i don't even know what happened after the third one with what is it age of extinction or any of those films i don't recall but that third one i just remember thinking that this is this is as bad as movies can get so yeah that's uh yeah it's funny because i remember conning myself into thinking that transformers dark of the moon was actually decent because i really? hated revenge of the fallen so much God, that i was like movie. Oh. i was like well at least this one doesn't like i said have the transformer balls but like <laughs> dark of the moon is michael bay at his worst right like yeah, it's it like he's like i can't just blow up one building i gotta blow up like i think it's chicago it's like all of chicago <laughs> is like decimated by the end of it it's ridiculous and you know what sucks yeah. is wasn't that the one that was filmed in milwaukee didn't they film at the art museum i think i believe was. yeah oh, of course yeah. we had to be attached to that one so <laughs> thank you thank you bay thank you michael bay for ruining you did it again yep oh. mike any thoughts I, I pretty much set my piece for yeah. that. I don't really care to talk about Transformers any longer <laughs> than I have to. How uh, rude. I like Transformers. And we can talk about it you, as man. long as we want. But I will say, Brian, <laughs> for future reference, if you want to just have a fun Saturday morning Transformers, just watch Bumblebee. Yeah. Yeah. Bumblebee. Yeah, that that is pretty fun. And actually, the uh, original animated movie is. Oh, well, that's a classic. What, what a, what a yeah. song. Untouchable. Yeah. Songs. Ugh plural you're right yeah you're right come on i tried okay. to watch that with my son recently and i had to stop it because actually it's oh god oh, way more violent than i remembered um that, <laughs> yeah. just let him soak it thing. in you know I, that that movie shaped the the lives of so many kids my age at that yeah. time like i remember what was that 1988 or 87 no 86 maybe wow yeah i just remember being way too young to watch optimus prime spoiler alert die and yeah. oh my god tears <laughs> I do. That that is extremely sad, but but yeah, isn't it weird? Al on the soundtrack too. Of course Probably. he is. Dare to be yes. stupid. Dare to be stupid. Yes. Okay, Mike. Anyway, Mike. Mike. Yeah. Well, uh, name a name a terrible one. It's really hard to narrow it down to one. I have like a top five bad, you know. Uh, Run through. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man three, top Obvious. of the list. Enough said. Terrible movie. Yeah. Uh, X-Men: The Last Stand. Terrible oh. movie. Forgot uh, about that. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. The mummy, tomb I, of the wait, dragon wait, wait, emperor. One, one second. X-Men the Last Stand, because I, I had that written in my notes too. I will yeah. say, in retrospect, Last Stand, not nearly as bad as Apocalypse or Dark Phoenix. I'll give you that. Yeah, you know, it's a... better than you know, it's like comparing which hunk of shit smells the worst. It's all shit. But <laughs> that's you true. Know. But yeah. They're not as good. And plus, you definitely don't, I mean, to get a little meta here, you definitely don't want your first, your trilogy of X-Men movies directed by Brian Singer and Brett Ratner. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little problematic these days. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you said what, Mummy? Yeah, Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, deep decline in, in quality there. I, I thought the first two were very fun. It's like, they were like, yeah. you know, uh, really family-oriented uh, scary movies. Which was scary, it's like entry mark. level scary, you know, in quotes, you know, kids yeah. would think some of it's yeah. scary. Um, 
And yeah, the third one just forgot everything that made sense and was good about the the first two and, you know, went and did whatever the hell it did. And then, you know, beyond that, uh, Rise of Skywalker is definitely... Doesn't count. I think it, I think it is a, it is part of It is a part nine. (sighs) (sighs) Fine. But, you know, it's part three of the, the new trilogy. Um, part but, part three of subset three. Yes. <laughs> yeah, of the Skywalker three. saga. Yes. Okay. Keep continue. Yeah. And then beyond that, I mean, I know you guys are, you know, really disagree with this, but I, I absolutely love the Halloween series, but Halloween three season of the witch is not for me. It's just, I understand. Yeah. I wish that you just take three out of it and just call it season of the witch. It's, it's yeah. A solid horror movie, if you like that sort of thing, but it is obviously a terrible Michael Myers movie because, yeah, not yeah, as happy. No business being a part of that of that you know series at all. But no. yeah, solid Still, film. I okay. I do not want to hear the Silver Shamrock song again ever. <laughs> oh, now I'm thinking about it. Oh my God, what, what have you done? <laughs> um, okay, so I've got some more that we we didn't mention. All right, you ready? Yeah. yeah. Superman three. No. Yes. Stop terrible. That. Yes. Terrible. It is a terrible, terrible movie. Terrible. What Richard Pryor. Pretty... Come on. Oh, God. I. That That's... Superman versus Clark Kent fight. Come on. That, the that only was... thing that makes Superman three look good is Quest for Peace. Superman. <laughs> yes. I used to was that Nuclear Man. I used to like him. Nuclear Man. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Brian, we're not going to listen to you defend that movie. It is I know. Objectively no. bad. Um, is. Jurassic Park three. I yeah. like Jurassic Park 3. Tell me what it's about then. I can honestly not tell you one scene in that movie. Is that the one where they're – nope, that's – the one where in their city is the second one, right? Yeah, that is Lost Oh, World. where they come back to – Yeah. Yes, yes, that's Lost World. Lost World. So what is the third one? I can't even – is Julianne Moore in that one? Nope, that is the second one. Yeah, exactly. I literally have erased it, it Jurassic has, Park 3 from my brain. It has William H. Macy and Taylor oh, Leone yeah. and – you know what's his name fuck why can't i think of the main fucking character oh sam, sam neil oh yeah. sam neil yeah and, and he's back and they're on the the original island and you know it's very much a rehash of you know got to get off that island and you know that stuff but it, it's not terrible it could wait, be wait 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 a jurassic it could be the, a the, jurassic movie where they're on an island and have to get off because the dinosaurs take over that's crazy yeah, exactly. that's nuts I mean, it's not the the last one they did, Fallen Kingdom. I thought that was a giant stinker, but you know, uh, yeah, yes. yeah. I, I we can we can rant about Jurassic World because Jurassic World the first one is basically Jurassic Park because they're on a yes. island, and then Jurassic World the second one's basically Jurassic Mansion. So, yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh, I, I'd love to see a movie called Jurassic Mansion. <laughs> That's all I like think a we did. <laughs> yeah, we did, we did. It was not good. Okay, you ready? I got yeah. got some more here. Josh uh, Freedy. What? Jaws 3D? No, I told you that's too easy. Too easy it, of a yeah, choice. Yeah, but it's for real piece of shit. Yeah. Home Alone 3. Oh, absolutely. Oh, terrible. Terrible. Do no any of the movies Culkin, after 2 count? Yeah, it's, it's literally Home Alone 3. It's not like Home Alone colon. It's like Home Alone 3. Who's mm. the kid? Who's the kid in that? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, kid from Home Alone 3. I don't remember your name. Moving on. I've also got Terminator 3. Now, that's a bit controversial Ooh. given in hindsight – it's not nearly as bad as like maybe, you know, Genesis or even Salvation, but, you know, not great, especially after the first two. Mm-hmm. Sure. OK. And 
Here we go. Godfather Part 3. Ooh, now there's there's some words right there. Yep. I didn't even go for, like, Taken 3 or anything like that. I, again, too easy, because uh, <laughs> when I'm doing this, I'm thinking of movies or, or franchises that have decent enough movies in the first yeah. two that there's such a steep decline in the third. And Taken 2, I think, is just – it's like yeah, the hangover that. 2 of, of action movies, right? <laughs> like, let's do it again. Somebody else got taken. So no. Oh God, Why has that not become a line in any of those movies? Uh, so yeah. So my my justification is Godfather Three, while not a terrible movie, is not nearly obviously as good as the first two. And I will admit that I have not seen the recent re-edit from Francis Ford Coppola, and I hear that it's it's better but not great. Yeah, so, I saw it. Yeah, it's but, fine. I mean, it's it's if you're looking at bad threequels, I think it's it's justified. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not one or two. So, yeah, I, but I don't think it's a terrible movie overall. It has moments. It's just, yeah, yeah, it's I a, get it. I get it. It's not as good as the third. Yeah, or it's yeah. not as good as the second. No. And it's funny because we were talking about coming to America a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about how, you know, not all sequels have to be as good as the original. Mm-hmm. But for this conversation, they do. So, <laughs> Godfather Part 3. Fucking better. Not, not not as good as number two, so you know automatically terrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian, you said you had a few on your list. Any any that I failed to mention? Ocean's Thirteen. Ooh, um, I like Ocean's Thirteen. You're lucky like Rodrigo that. isn't on this podcast. He recently uh, we were talking. He recently rewatched the Ocean's movies and was raving about the trilogy. So really, oh god, the scenes between Damon and and Ellen Barkin are so hard to watch. It's just like a masterclass <laughs> in. What not to do as an actor. I apologize uh, to Steven Soderbergh if you're listening. I'm sorry. Brian does not represent the playlist. It did not work. <laughs> uh, the other one, actually, I, I'm looking at Jurassic Park 3 was on my list, but uh, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End was just uh, mm. went off the rails almost immediately. And I loved the first movie. I thought the second movie was really, really fun. But that third one was like, I... I didn't talk get, a, I, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy talk it. Talk about all. a steep decline, right? It was that first so one steep. is decent. The second one is borderline bad. And then from there, they're like unwatchable. Yeah. They're, they're really I, I, I think it's very similar to the Transformers movies where the first one had something and it was yeah. clear that people liked it. And then it, they just didn't understand what the hell to do with it from there. Yeah. Um, they're like Johnny Depp, be more Keith Richards. Yeah. Keith Richards. And while we're at it, Keith, Keith Richards. Richards. Yeah. Is he in the third one? Yes. I gotta, them, I gotta admit, I tapped out probably midway through the third one and haven't like rewatched it or even bothered with. But didn't they go up to like five or six of them? Like, come on. Yeah. Dude, You're they not get, missing anything. They get so much worse. I think Paul McCartney was in the last one, and he's like. <laughs> What the what the hell is this? So, so wait, wait, wait. Let's follow Disney logic here. So the first one works because Johnny Depp is Keith Richards. Yeah. So by like the fifth one, they're like, well, we've already done Keith Richards. Let's pick another British rock star. Okay. Paul McCartney? Paul McCartney. Is that is that the logic? Like was I, Ringo unavailable? Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> he would have been a be? much better fit. Or are yeah, they holding actually, him for like eight? Oh God, yeah. So yeah, those are the other ones on my list. And the guys from Coldplay are coming. The guys from Cold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of British musicians that would be terrible in a Pirates movie, I, other than all of them. I feel like Chris Martin might actually do okay now that I think about it. 
I don't know. Brian fully endorses a Chris Martin pirate solo spinoff film. Let's see. I'm thinking about this now. <laughs> okay. Anything else on your list? No, those are the big ones. Yeah, I think uh, I think we've covered a pretty good gamut here. Of, yeah, I, I don't and I don't know exactly what the the analysis the you know, the final assessment is here. I mean, can we? You, you kind of said it before, Mike, but can we agree that, or as time goes by, that threequels are getting better or that i i don't know what do you guys what do you guys think overall on threequels i i think the moral of the story is if you have good intentions you can make a third movie that works yeah Uh, if you are just being like well we have to make a third movie because the first two did well then don't even bother yeah Yeah. i think marvel has shown how to make a sequel and make it you know profitable and make it creatively fulfilling and you know all that stuff so but but wait, wait 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 I, uh-huh. I love Marvel movies, but uh-huh. let's break down that their sequel formula turned into let's throw more actors in there. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. That's kind of their sequel formula is like, well, you like Doctor Strange, but how about Doctor Strange and Wanda, Scarlet Witch, you know? Yeah. I mean, hey, it's working. Yeah. No, it is. I'm just saying, but like, you know, Jaws they 3D doesn't have that. They took what made Spider-Man 3 bad and they made it work. <laughs> no, that's just one of the things that they did. To, that's a huge mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Also, if you're listening and you're like, why didn't they talk about Matrix Revolutions? I would argue that that is not nearly as bad. It's a it tells it. It's, you know, the back to the future thing. It tells a complete story. It has the most sincere intentions and it may not land for everybody, but, you know, it doesn't qualify. I think it's quality. I like it. It's okay. In retrospect, we'll see what they do with the fourth one. But yeah, it's all right. Brian, no thoughts. No, I actually don't mind uh, Matrix Revolutions um, at all. I think it's a, actually a superior film to uh, Reloaded. And um, just, I yeah, I'll see the fourth movie, but God, they're just, I, I thought it wrapped things up pretty nicely uh, to the point where I almost included it on my on my list of best, uh, best requels. That close. would have been a hot take. If you that did that, I would, I would have, yeah, we would have had to to beat you up because I understand. it's not terrible, but it's also not one of the best. Um, I, and I will say, too, that it brought me back. I remember seeing Matrix Reloaded, and at the very end of the credits, we got a little clip or a little trailer for yep. Matrix Revolutions. And I remember getting that feeling like I did with Back to the Future Part 3 again, like, oh, here we go. And I think that was the same year, too. Like, later that year we got It was, I think, like, at the beginning were, of the summer and the end of yeah. the summer. Yeah. yeah. Just I love I love that. Just love That's it. ballsy. They would never do that now. No, no, no. You got to at least separate it by year. Yeah, you got to milk that uh, that DVD money, that streaming mm-hmm. money, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so do you have a to, a moral of the story, Brian? You brought up the question. Do you think that you know threequels are getting better? Or are they just terrible, or is it just about intentions? What is it? Yeah, I I, I will have to 100% agree with you on the intentions. Yeah, just going back to the Back to the Future trilogy, just you know, knowing what the end game is going to be is the best way to do things. It it definitely works both ways, but I feel like if you know how the story is going to end, if you want to tell it over the span of three films, then you know, you're you're going to be better suited than somebody who's just wants to make a third film just because the actors are available and the fans want it. So, that's that's my that's my my thoughts. We're pretty cynical. We uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. we start at cash grab and you better prove yourself after that. So, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And it, yeah. and I will say the subject, it really dovetail, dovetails well into a podcast we're going to be doing next week, which could be considered a oh. trilogy in itself. I'm not going to say what it is, yes. but let's just say there are things that we are going to be talking about, and this could that film that we're going to be talking about could be considered a part three of something. And I'm very fascinated to hear your thoughts, boys. Dude, it's totally it's totally in a league all its own. We so. can oh jeez. We we're talking Snyder Cut people, so stick around <laughs> next week for the Snyder Cut, because oh boy, we'll have thoughts. Oh well. yeah. So on that note, thank you, Mike and Brian, joining me talking about Creed Three, three equals, all that good stuff. It's been awesome. And I will uh I will see you uh next week so we can talk about Zack Snyder. All right. Thank you.